Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, this is great fun to be here on yeah. the stage with you. Yeah, likewise. Um, I understand this is a, a first-time collabo. I understand this is a first-time appearance between you two, but apparently there's some there's some musical uh, backstory here that I was learning uh, in the green room. You guys have like, I'm 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 told that you and Yoni have like a uh, a song that you might want to you know debut here uh, exclusively. What's what's the backstory here? What's going on? <laughs> I, I've written a couple of songs for entrepreneurs. Um, one was the Risk Master to to the entrepreneurs of the world. And then one was the Bitcoin hustle, which is probably more appropriate for this stage. And Yanni, Yanni apparently was in the audience when I first did it sort of as, as a spoken word. And we had a lot of fun. Um, and Yanni and I have, have met on a couple of occasions, but just not on stage. So um, fun to be on stage with you and, uh, and fun to do this. Um, I think, I think it would be, this is where Zoom isn't quite as good as live. And so I think we will save the audience, but um, oh, man. Okay. Look, up. look for the Bitcoin hustle, flex your crypto muscle, do the Bitcoin hustle. That's good. So before we get going, that next time Sorry, we're, yeah, yeah. we're on live on stage with a live audience, we'll do a song together. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we might even create one. We might even this, come right, together and create one. This is the new, uh, this is the new uh, Jimmy Song, Joe Lubin bet. This is the new price prediction. We're going to see you guys on stage doing music uh, next time we're live. So uh, before we get going, I just wanted to, I wanted to dig down into this tease. Uh, you guys just announced a 25 million fund. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, you know, aside from the best of the best, as one of your colleagues uh, teased there, Tim, uh, you know, what what aspects of the market right now are you interested in when it comes to the, uh, you know, the startup side investments? Like, what, what, where are you going to be deploying this fresh capital? Well, this is really exciting. Um, the Draper Gorn Home is a, a critical asset now to the Draper Venture Network. And um, this central focus on the blockchain and companies around crypto and decentralization are going to be absolutely critical uh, moving forward as we decentralize the world. Um, we're having a, um, by the way, Shira, we can hear you. Um, Shira, I hope you, uh, you mute there. Um, anyway, um, the world is going through this amazing transformation. Uh, the internet opened it all up. We ended up being able to trade across borders. The world started to open up. And then when Bitcoin came along, all of a sudden we had a, a currency that we could use globally and, uh, and one that we could, we could have faith in, even if a government, for instance, printed $13 trillion dollars. Um, we, we could still have a currency that would not uh, dilute. Uh, and that was the beginning of something uh, that, that I think is going to be a, a major change in, in the world. And I think the world is going to go through an anthropological leap uh, because we, we realize we used to be tribal and that was sort of a way of being secure. We'd say, okay, this is the border. 
don't cross this border and our people will be safe. Well, now we realize that um, the, the borders uh, are becoming more and more meaningless and the decentralized world becomes more important and it, it will be everything from banking to insurance to real estate to governance uh, that are going to change and become decentralized around the world. And, and that's going to make us global, completely global. And so over the next 20 years, we're going to see an amazing globalization. I mean, there's, of course, the nationalism that is the response to this and then and the governments uh, that are weak or the ones who are trying to cling to the past are trying to become nationalists, put up trade wars or whatever. Um, those barriers are uh, are bad for us, uh, but they're also uh, really just kind of the roar of the dying lion as we move to this new uh, new world. And it's very exciting. And then if you break down crypto, it starts with Bitcoin and it starts with a currency and the blockchain and the smart contracts. And then it moves to, to DeFi where you start getting um, uh, all of this, uh, all of all the things that are happening with dollars today now can start to happen with crypto. And then um, and then from there, I think you move to uh, to the e-commerce world where uh, OpenNode and others like it can can bring it so that the merchant can and I think that those are sort of the three stages. And once those stages are done and it's easy to use and, uh, and the, the uh, world opens up, um, we are going to have a truly crypto decentralized open world. And all of that change is gonna be driven by entrepreneurs like the ones who are out there. Um, and they are gonna be making amazing things happen and we wanna be there for you. Um, hopefully we'll be able to back, uh, the best and the brightest of you. I jump in there. Um, you know, it's been the summer of DeFi and, uh, I think your perspective on this is going to be really interesting. I mean, you, you know, the summer of DeFi has, has led to, uh, DEXs, decentralized exchanges flexing their muscle in terms of facilitating trading and also sort of, uh, this evolution toward a decentralized future. Um, you know, you represent a, a sex in the, in the term of art, a CEX, a centralized exchange. I'm really curious about your views on, you know, whether you're worried right now. Are you worried that DEXs and DeFi are going to come eat your lunch? Or do you think that you have the adequate uh, services and also, you know, regulatory tailwinds behind you that will cement your position going forward? How does, how does eToro view the summer of DeFi? Sure. So first of all, um, I think that uh, DeFi is, is super interesting. Um, and I think this is a bit of an unknown fact. We actually built a decentralized exchange back in 2012 based on the colored coin protocol we developed in eToro, which was tokenizing assets on top of the Bitcoin network. So this was really, really premature, the beginning of thinking of tokenization. And we actually built an exchange with atomic swaps on top of Bitcoin. Now, waiting for 8 to 15 minutes for the swap to actually happen um, and, and the lack of actual stable coins and real assets on the Bitcoin network actually made this uh, very much premature. So 
first of all, I'm a very big believer in DeFi, specifically in the ability of transforming what today is a lot of legal mumbo jumbo, reconciliation, clearing settlement at T plus one and T plus two, making all of that code, making everything semi real time and making uh, everything transparent potentially is called when you think about complex financial uh, deals between multiple participants, which is very difficult today and through DeFi becomes uh, significantly simplified. So I'm, I've always been fascinated by how blockchain potentially simplifies transfer of assets, clearing settlement, when you think about sort of financial services, where we are today, um, basically clearing and settling stock uh, trading uh, at a trillion dollar uh, plus per year volumes. So I really think DeFi today as it's built is super interesting. It's really in its uh, infancy. And eventually the people who are today dealing with DeFi, and I consider myself one of them as, you know, I have MetaMask and I'm playing with some of the protocols, is still for finance geeks. It's still for people who really understand how to use uh, MetaMask, how to use Ethereum addresses, how to potentially, by the way, which is very important, sort of look at the code or at least read somebody who went through the code of these DeFi protocols to make sure you're not into a scam that nobody really controls your coins. So it's it's super important because these are the mechanics. These are the quants of this new world, but that's not the mass market. The mass market eventually needs a simple user interface, a great user experience to access the markets, whether it's the crypto markets, whether it's the stock markets, it's really about simplifying the user interface. And I think what DeFi does, it simplifies financial transactions between multiple participants, which could be, by the way, super complex in today's world with lawyers and accountants needed to do them um, and simplifies everything to code. And for those who understand code, can read smart contracts, can write smart contracts, that's a leap because you don't need to talk to lawyers, which is great. Um, but for those who really would just want the experience of trading and investing, I, which is eventually the mass market, I think for those, they would still need platforms like eToro to be able to access the global markets. Uh, and more than that, when you think about trading and investing in general, it's not only about uh, the simplified user experience, it's sometimes about really finding who, how do you make the decisions? Uh, in eToro, we took the approach that you can actually copy the top traders on our social trading network. There are different approaches, but it's how do you simplify the decision-making of where do I invest? How do I invest? How much do I invest uh, to, again, the mass global audience? And I think that's the biggest difference between today and you know 20 years ago with the dot-com bubble is just the market is so much bigger, so much, uh, such a big global audience from Israel, uh, uh, where, where Itoru was originally based in, to the US, to Asia, to Europe. The entire world is now connected. The entire world is using DeFi, is using Bitcoin. And I think that's really the world that Tim just defined that 10 years from today, everything is gonna be one global marketplace for everybody to access 
trade, invest, and invent uh, for everyone around the world. Yeah, I, I love uh, covering this space because we're in this transition moment and with transition comes friction and comes tension and comes drama and comes legal enforcement. And I definitely wanted, before I switched over to Tim, I definitely wanted to ask you for your take on this one. You know, BitMEX obviously commanded the headlines uh, last week, you know, uh, a, derivatives, a derivatives exchange notorious for not abiding by the legal mumbo jumbo uh, that, that most, uh, most players in the market uh, abide by. Uh, Yoni, from where you sit, what's what's your lesson there? What, when you look at this uh, CFTC action and this Department of Justice action uh, by the U.S. to uh, to to strike out against BitMEX, what's your takeaway from that news story that emerged last week and uh, really captivated the attention of both the crypto markets and also the mass market? I think I can only talk about you know Itoro's view about uh, regulation. Um, I think in general we were always very uh, strict and straightforward about being regulated. We were the first regulated, uh, basically broker dealer uh, who was trading in stock trading, who was able to offer cryptocurrency trading, Bitcoin first, then ETH, then XRP. We did that with a lot of collaboration from our regulators uh, in the UK, in Europe, in Australia. We're now regulated across 45 states in the US offer crypto trading and we're doing that with sort of top, you know, the top notch legal advisors in the US. So our view is that it's very important for the large players, the, you know, the companies uh, like us with millions of users to be regulated and to give that comfort of uh, regulation to the mass consumers. Now, obviously Bitcoin uh, as itself isn't something that can be regulated. And I think that's a, a very big part of the magic of Bitcoin as a currency. But I think there's a difference between companies who are domiciled in a specific jurisdiction, uh, who have, uh, you know, potentially aspirations to grow their enterprise value and want to protect their consumers versus purely protocols, which I do believe have a place uh, in a place to be unregulated because they're purely code. They don't deal with fiat. Um, and again, if you think about again, the Bitcoin protocol, a big part of, you know, of its magic and the fascination of a lot of people around it was, wow, you've, you've just built someone, someone anonymous built it and it could just run forever without the need of the complexity of sort of regulatory approvals, etc. So I think in general, there is a place for decentralization and the unregulated space. But I think if you are a company and you are handling customer assets, you're taking on yourself a big responsibility. Um, there are a lot of um, parts in it, whether it's, you know, reconciling, whether it's custody of customer funds, et cetera. I think consumers, especially the mass market consumers, who want to understand that they're investing in someplace self should probably do that in, in regulated marketplaces, exchanges, or broker dealers, uh, where developers of protocols, innovators can obviously think about decentralization, etc. And I think there's a link between those two. And, and we, as a company, are very cautiously looking at, at this space, uh, innovating while collaborating and communicating with regulators. Uh, but I think, again, there's a big fascination around the decentralization and unregulated space as well.
Yeah, I think just the philosophical underpinnings of that are really fascinating. And I, I, would, I would love to pick your brain further on that at, at a later date. Um, I do want to go back to Bitcoin. I mean, we, we mentioned, you know, this is the summer of DeFi. This is the summer of unaudited smart contracts with weird vegetable names and uh, staggering yields. Um, Tim, I wanted to throw this question your way. You know, it seems like there's sort of, I, I don't know if I would call it a, a, a groundswell yet or even a meme. But Bitcoin feels a little bit boring these last few months. It feels a little bit steady, a little bit slow. Um, I'm just going to throw out the statement, you know, is Bitcoin boring? Uh, yes, no, and why? <laughs> boring uh, is probably not the word I'd come up with for it. But uh, boring usually does uh, create value. Uh, I think... I think I, I look at it this way, and I, I'm going to reflect back on your on your last question too about regulators. Um, I think what's there's some really interesting dynamics happening in the world today. Um, various governments are. Hey, hey, we hear you. We're getting a little audio feedback here, guys. Yeah, please mute. Um, there you go. Looks like they're gonna so. Do that. Thanks, Tim. So the the regulated um, environment is is an ongoing dynamic situation, and if you're a regulator, you're saying, "Wait a second, what are you guys doing?" And if you're an innovator, you're going, "Hey, get on board! This is going to be awesome." And so, hey, can you guys uh, mute, please? We're, we're still I'm not sure, by the way, that the audience listens to the background from the, the from the uh, back room. Okay. Um, hopefully, the audience isn't hearing that all that noise that we're hearing. Um, okay. So, so you have the this this uh, friction that's created by the innovator and the regulator, and they're trying to figure it all out. The regulators are, in some ways, trying to protect their people, but in some ways they are um, concerned because all of a sudden, if, you, if you're just operating your entire business in crypto, where are their taxes? And I think they feel like they've solved that problem, but they really haven't. Because here's what I envision. I envision being able to create a fund that is all in Bitcoin. They invest in Bitcoin. I put it into all the entrepreneurs and supplier entrepreneurs in Bitcoin. They pay their employees and suppliers in Bitcoin. The whole thing can be kept on us on a uh, on the blockchain, accounted for everything, and then um, a smart contract can make sure that everybody gets paid what they're supposed to get paid at the right time. Now that's perfect for an economic point of view. If you're a government entity, you're saying, whoa, wait, where do I fit in here? Um, and I think that the way to fit in is somehow for government to recognize that the first thing they really need to do is figure out taxing. And the way you would tax is either you tax on transactions, like 0.001% on every transaction that goes through, or or you um, treat it exactly the same way as you treat other currencies, but you allow those businesses to operate completely in Bitcoin and then pay your taxes in Bitcoin so that you're not paying a bunch of accountants to switch back and forth and back and forth between dollars and Bitcoin and dollars. And Bitcoin. It's um, the, the regulators are, 
um, need to think, how do we simplify the system now instead of let's support lawyers and accountants forever? I think there's this, um, we have now the technology to do something really extraordinary with the economy, with the world economy. We, we have created a frictionless system. It doesn't, ha it doesn't require the merchants to pay two and a half to 4% to the bank every time you swipe a credit card. It doesn't require all those transfer agents and, and uh, all that, um, all that uh, garbage that um, Yanni was talking about that get in the way of progress. We have a new vehicle for progress. So if the, if, if the governments are comfortable and they feel like, hey, we're getting the taxes we're supposed to be getting, then the regulators won't be as nasty and they won't feel like they have to come down so hard on people because, um, because they're getting their piece. And I, I think that that's going to make a big difference going forward. I think we're going to end up with something really extraordinary. But the governments that are going to win are the ones who get out in front of this and they, they go for it. The ones who are going to lose are going to be the ones who say, no, but it all has to translate back into dollars or yen or euros or whatever. No, move forward, take your taxes and Bitcoin and go forward that way. This is going to be a really interesting time and the transition may be a little bit shaky. And so things like the the BitMEX and other things are going to happen, but you're you're also at a in a a really interesting time that you know ten years from now um, we are going to have a very smooth operation of the economy and it'll be global. Uh, very exciting time coming, and so uh, not sure if that answered the first part of your question, oh, yeah. but I, no, I wanted to hit on that because they got to go. The right way and then um yanni also hit, hit on user experience absolutely the only ones who are really getting involved in in bitcoin and crypto and whatever are engineers and uh and so as you can improve the experience and make people feel feel more comfortable about it um great things are going to happen and that's where you know my prediction for two hundred fifty thousand dollars per bitcoin happens um, you know that one out of 14 Bitcoin wallets is owned by a woman, only one out of every 14, but women control 80% of the retail spending. So when those two things come together and the women jump in here, um, this is going to be, and they realize, Hey, I'm saving two and a half percent every time I swipe my credit card. Um, this is going to be a, a, a world where we're kind of going, wow, why did we ever use dollars that were tied to political forces? Yeah, I wanted to jump back. I to, just want to uh, add something. Uh, just for, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I yeah, just want to add something which I think is super important is the importance of central bank digital currency. So I, I'm not sure a lot of countries are going to waive their currencies, but I think if a country is going to be smart enough to create a central digital currency uh, through the you know government, but that creates a frictionless uh, conversion to Bitcoin, to Ethereum, to stable coins, I think that's really the aha moment and probably a more probable scenario than having like government say, okay, 
let's give out our monetary controls and let's just use Bitcoin. But I think that is the core here is when governments really embrace it. I'll just add to that the non-popular and very unpopular opinion. If I was a regulator, that's maybe when I'll have gray, gray hair. I would actually demand the JPs, the Goldmans, the Morgans, the Citibanks, the Deutsche Banks. I would go out and tell them every single transaction has to happen on the blockchain. You're not allowed to do any single transaction that's not on public blockchains. Yeah, I mean, that's the vision of, you know, Chris Giancarlo and others, you know, when you hear them talking about the 2008 financial meltdown uh, and they talk, you know, uh, forcefully, emotionally, emotionally, intelligently about how a lot of this, a lot of this financial catastrophe, you know, could have been could have been thwarted if a lot of this uh, stuff was more transparent and, and, and recorded publicly. Yanni, I did want to jump back to you on the regulator question. You know, you sit. Uh, Hang on. The global Wait, I, wanted to, I wanted to mention something to Yanni, though, because. Sure, in, in the US, people may still want crypto dollars, but um, why would you want a currency that is like Iceland created Aurora coin? Who cares? It, you know, it's only going to be able to be used in Iceland. Aren't I'm, we? I'm, I'm talking about. I'm just talking about things like the dollar, like the euro. I mean, like I had. Warren Buffett tell me like, my grandson will always prefer the US dollar over Bitcoin. What I'm saying is that that might be possible. Some people might prefer their US dollar or, you know, the Euro or the pound uh, to, to transact, to reconcile. And if that works really smoothly in a, friction, in a frictionless environment with digital currencies, I think that's great. You know, I understand why Warren Buffett wants everybody to work in dollars because he's got a lot of dollars. Um, but I don't think his grandson will he, agree. He said, he said exactly the same thing about you and Bitcoin. <laughs> he's right. No he's way. right. Yoni, Yoni was this at the Justin Sun lunch? Was this at the Justin Sun lunch in which the, these gems yeah, yeah, were, were dropped? Yeah, that was at the at the futile dinner of trying to convince him to, to believe in Bitcoin. That didn't went well. I got out believing in value investing. Oh, no. Oh, no. He converted you. Oh, no. Yeah. I would love to have been a fly on the wall at that meal. Uh, if you want to share any any nuggets, any PG-13 nuggets from that meal, I'm, I'm all ears. You know that Warren Buffett, think... half, of, half of his... Half of his portfolio is banks, and and another ten percent is insurance companies. I mean, he he really doesn't want crypto to take off. <laughs> he doesn't want Bitcoin anywhere near him until he can but, but until he can sell all of his. hundred percent on Bitcoin, but but on the blockchain, which was interesting because we hear a lot of smart people talk about blockchain, don't necessarily understand the Bitcoin narrative of digital gold. But he was very clear that he hears from all of the CEOs and the smartest people in the world that the blockchain is, is the future. And I think that's a good start. So this is the future. Uh, and, and these are two sort of parallel tracks. There's the macroeconomic Bitcoin uh, a, 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 as an asset. And there's blockchain as a technology that's going to transform everything, including the existing financial services paradigm. 
So I'm going to do my moderator's duty and keep us to time. Uh, you know, a, as a moderator, we swear, we swear to, to this oath. We just ran out of time, right on time. It's perfect. I'm going to toss it back to the organizers. But first, I'm going to thank you, Tim. You, Yoni. It's uh, it's great to talk to you both. I'm looking forward to the onstage performance of uh, the Bitcoin Hustle remix at a future date. So thanks so much for, for joining us. This has been a production of Industry Pods in association with Evergreen Podcasts Network. Hear this and other industry pods at evergreenpodcasts.com, your favorite podcast app, or listen at industrypods.com for your number one virtual conference podcast experience. Thank you.